What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. I'm actually recording this on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, so I'm sure a lot of people are out there getting their Black Friday shopping in, um, getting ready for the holidays, Christmas coming up, but first and foremost, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving yesterday, and we're back with another podcast here to talk about the NC State game tomorrow in Chapel Hill, last game of the season for the Tar Heels, senior day for the Tar Heels, and uh, another noonish kickoff, as I like to call them, against the Wolfpack from Raleigh. They'll be coming in town, looking to uh, you know end their ACC schedule on a good note. Uh, finish eight and three overall. They have a rescheduled game against ECU next week as well, but they are currently sitting at seven and three overall, and for the most part, have had a pretty good season. Had a chance in the Coastal, excuse me, the Atlantic Division to make some waves as well, but a few games ago, before the win over Louisville last week in their previous four games, they were, they were only one and, and um, one and three, so that with losses to Clemson and then at Syracuse. Florida State at home, they beat them, which was obviously you'd expect them to do with how poor Florida State's been, and then they went and lost on Thursday night to Wake Forest at home a couple weeks ago, which nobody really expected, but Got a big victory over a Louisville team um, in Kentucky, 52-10. to 10, A Louisville team that uh, just fired uh, Petrino, their coach, and are struggling. A team that really gave up, I think, after the, probably the first or second game with the way they've been performing through most of the season. But NC State, moral of the story, is a good team. They're a team that um, through the air and offensively are really good. They are a team defensively that has some vulnerability, especially with uh, containing the pass and, and defending the pass. So that'll be something that hopefully Carolina will look to exploit. But like we'll talk about a little later, one of Carolina's biggest problems this season uh, has been passing the ball. So it, it's unfortunate that the one thing State is pretty poor at defensively. Uh, Carolina probably won't be able to exploit too well and will be looking to run on a uh, front five, front four of, of NC State's defense that's actually really talented, And even though they lost some guys last year. So NC State, a really good team coming in and it's going to be an interesting game and it's it's a rivalry game like we talked about in the Duke preview you never know what can happen in these games but hopefully North Carolina can come out there on senior day and have something to play for and um, come out with a victory but let's jump right into the preview like we always do let's first take a look at what state's been doing pretty well this year and then we'll talk about Carolina and some things they need to do in order to beat the Wolfpack going to try to keep this podcast pretty short been trying to keep all my preview and review podcasts recently, especially with football, um, in between 20 and 30 minutes, especially with how poor both teams, not both teams, North Carolina has been. Uh, there's not a lot to talk about after games and before games, it seems like, but we'll go ahead and look at the stats like we always do, talk about some other things that I think Carolina needs to do to win, and then we'll go ahead and end the podcast uh, so I can get it out for you guys before the game tomorrow at 1220 in Chapel Hill, guys. So let's look at NC State first and foremost, like I said, Seven and three overall, a good team, third in the ACC Atlantic Division. Uh, so they've had a pretty successful year. To me, they've kind of had a typical state year. They start off really good, playing some easier teams. They obviously had that West Virginia game canceled, which was like the second or third game of the season. Would have loved to see them play West Virginia and Will Greer and kind of see how they uh, fare uh, against a team like that. A uh, really talented team in West Virginia that's currently, I think, top 15 in the country right now and could have been in the top five if they would have. Um, found a way to get a couple more wins this season, had that big win at Texas a couple weeks ago, and then lost to Oklahoma State uh, in Oklahoma last week. So West Virginia would have loved to see them play NC State because I think we would have learned a lot more about this team earlier in the year, and the season could have been completely different um, if they would have won or lost that game. But 
nonetheless state seven and three third in the Atlantic Division. Excuse me, uh, Ryan Finley, starting quarterback, an NFL prospect, probably the third, fourth best quarterback in the draft this year. He'll probably go late first round, early second round, if I had to guess. Ryan Finley, uh, really good quarterback. Originally transferred from Boise State, so he's about 24, 25 years old right now. Good quarterback. He's put up some really good numbers for state this year. 259 completions on 380 attempts, uh, 3,180 yards, about a 68.2 completion percentage. He's thrown 21 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So Ryan Finley's had a really good year. He's a guy that impresses me. He's a pro-style quarterback, not a guy that's going to beat you with his legs, but with the weapons that NC State has at the receiver position and at the running back position in some ways. They don't have great running backs, but they've got guys that they can rely on to do some things. But the receiving core, which we'll talk about in a second, is very talented, um, led by Kelvin Harmon, future NFL prospect as well. So when you've got two guys in Finley and Harmon that are going to be playing on Sundays in the, uh, next year and over the next few years, then it, it, NC State, you can kind of understand why they've been pretty good this year for the most part, besides a few disappointing losses, which if you think about it, State probably, realistically, they shouldn't have lost to Wake Forest. And... um I think both games at Syracuse and at Clemson were losses that you could see them having. But I think State right now, in their mind, should probably be sitting at 8-2 and two on the year, I think would be what you would expect. But give credit to Wake Forest. They came in and kind of shocked NC State. I didn't think there was any way that the Demon Deacons were going to gonna be able to beat the Wolfpack on, on a Thursday night game in Raleigh. But they found a way off after some bad defense by NC State, I must say. And we'll talk about that in a second as well. Because the State defense is so bad, I think Carolina – does have a chance tomorrow because, in my opinion, if State had a better secondary, then I would think there was no possible way that North Carolina was going to come and, and beat State even in a rivalry game when a lot of things go out the window. But I think Carolina has a chance tomorrow based on that NC State secondary alone. But like I said, Ryan Finley, great quarterback, a guy who's put up some really big numbers, a QB rating of 153.7, so pretty good rating for Ryan Finley, a guy that has impressed me this year, has put up good stats, like I said, and we'll be playing on Sundays here in a little bit. And if we can stop Ryan Finley, we can stop this. Uh, kind of goes without saying, we can stop this NC State team because he's really the heart and soul of what they're doing, whether it's through the run game, pass game, anything. He's a leader on this team. He's a guy that uh, players look to and rely on. He's one of the most talented players on this roster, if not the most talented, um, probably besides Kelvin Harmon. So if we can stop Ryan Finley and contain him and slow him down, then I think North Carolina will have a good opportunity uh, of – at least having a chance late in the game to come out with a victory. But that remains to be seen. And right now, looking at how Carolina's defense has performed, I don't really see them being able to stop NC State on offense. And I think tomorrow is going to be a pretty high-scoring game, especially for the Wolfpack. But let's look at the rushing stats for NC State. Reggie Gillespie, the second, 163 carries, 663 yards, about a 4.1 yard per carry, 27 long. His longest run was 27 yards. So not a guy who's really going to break out and had these huge runs downfield, um, had these catastrophic plays that are kind of been accustomed to seeing from uh, this Carolina defense. You shouldn't expect that in the run game tomorrow. Um, their longest ever run this year from a running back is is only 39 yards, and that was for a touchdown. So this isn't a team on the running game that's really going to beat you and is not going to you know, destroy you with catastrophic plays you wouldn't expect. But based on how Carolina's defense has played, like I mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few catastrophic plays in the running game, and I wouldn't be surprised to for NC State to rush for over 150 yards yesterday, even though they're not really a very good rushing team when it really comes down to it. So they're only averaging 3.6 yards per carry this season, and they've scored 18 touchdowns. Uh, Reggie Gillespie, like I mentioned, 
663 yards, 27 yards long. It's his longest run, and he has 11 touchdowns on the year. So he's got a majority of NC State's rushing touchdowns uh, through the ground. He also got Ricky Person Jr. actually played football about 10, 15 minutes from where I live here in Wake Forest over at Heritage High School. Had a really good career over there. He's kind of their second guy, guy that gets the second most touches on the team, 86 carries, 358 yards, uh, two touchdowns on the season. And you've also got Brady Bodine, 26 carries, 131 yards. You're not going to see a lot of him, but he does have the longest TD run of the season with 39 yards and three touchdowns on the year. So more than a person has this season. So three guys that can score. Reggie Glass, who's going to be the most threatening guy for this team. He's going to get the most carries. But when it comes down to it, NC State's a team that's going to look to beat you through the air. I mean, Ryan Finley has thrown for over 3,000 yards already, you know, 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So majority of their touchdowns have come through Finley. And you've got eight, only 18 combined with looking at my stats right now, 10 plus guys that have had rushing uh, attempts this year. Um, only 18 of them have scored so and mostly 11 of those have come through Reggie Gillespie so if you can stop Gillespie on the ground you have a good chance at stopping this rushing attack Ricky Person's also a guy that's going to get some touches too but I think when it comes down to it Carolina needs to be focused on containing Reggie Gillespie and just not letting him get comfortable and confident early because if State can run the ball in Carolina I would expect them to do that especially with the type of weather we might have in Chapel Hill tomorrow it's supposed to be a really rainy wet afternoon in Keenan Stadium, which I think can help North Carolina out a little bit in their favor because of State's really reliance on throwing the ball with Ryan Finley. Obviously, if you're playing in the rain, you're going to have to kind of rely on running the ball more, you would think, especially if it's really, really coming down like they're calling for tomorrow. I think there's a 90% chance of rain even in the morning from like 7 a.m. all the way to kickoff at noon. And I don't really know what's supposed to happen after that, but I think it's supposed to clear up early afternoon, but that field might be soaking wet before the game even starts, which will make this game a whole lot more interesting. Rivalry game, a Carolina team that's battling potentially uh, for Larry Fedora's job. This could be his last game. I expect this to be his last game as a North Carolina coach. I think, personally, things I've heard, different stuff like that, and my really just my gut feeling. I've been saying it really since we lost to ECU that I think Fedora will probably be out because I just didn't really see this team being able to beat anybody. Then they beat Pittsburgh. You kind of had a little optimism there. And then things kind of just went downhill from there, losing six in a row. And finally beating a Western Carolina team that that you would expect Carolina to beat every day of the week. And then, you know, not having another extra game scheduled after having to cancel that UCF game. So this is Carolina's last game of the season against a state team that historically in Larry Fedora's era has beaten Carolina. Let's put it that way. Obviously lost to him in Raleigh last year. Year before that, when Mitch Trubisky lost to him, you know, Carolina whipped out those all-black jerseys and didn't play well in that game. Couldn't beat them. Uh, haven't beat them since 2015 with Mitch Trubisky, uh, not Mitch Trubisky, excuse me, um, Marquise Williams back there. Obviously a great year for Carolina. We pretty much beat anybody and everybody that season. So we haven't beat them since 2015. Just not been a good um, last few years, really, for Carolina and, and when it comes to playing NC State, and hopefully Carolina will be able to turn around this year. But with how the past two seasons have gone, I really just don't see Carolina having any shot at winning this game unless they come out and play by far their best game of the season. And on senior day in a rivalry game in the rain, you could kind of expect that to happen. But like I said, with how Carolina's just performed against Division One FBS opponents in the past two seasons, only beating Pittsburgh twice. I'm not in Old Dominion, excuse me, but I don't even really count that one. Old Dominion is not on the same level as an ACC school and are quite frankly not a very, haven't been a very good program over the past two seasons. So 
Carolina struggling against these FBS opponents. I thought they had a good chance against Duke. I predicted a victory against Duke in that game. Didn't come out. So like I've said in a few of my write-ups, I kind of lost faith in this team. And you'll see my prediction at the end. But if I have to hint at anything, don't expect uh, me to predict a victory for North Carolina tomorrow. I just I don't see it happening as much as I would like it to. I think this state team is just too talented on the offensive side, especially going up against the Carolina defenses, letting up over 400 yards a game is one of the worst in the ACC. So we'll see. But let's focus right back on NC State real quick and look at some of the receivers, specifically Kelvin Harmon for the Wolfpack. Harmon is a great player, to say the least. He's dynamic. He's athletic. He's a big guy. I believe he's like 6'3". They have a few guys, a receiver over 6'2", 6'3". So they're a big team on the receiving side of the ball. Harmon, 72 receptions this year for over 1,000 yards, 1,065, um, about 15 yards per catch. So that's big-time stats for Calvin Harmon and uh, six touchdowns on the year. So biggest threat for them in the passing game is Kelvin Harmon. Look for Finley to, to kind of target Harmon a lot. And hopefully we put Patrice Renee on Kelvin Harmon, our best cornerback this season by far. But the thing that I've kind of been critical of this defensive staff this year as well is they play their weakest corner. Unfortunately, I don't like to harp on anybody, but the likes of Greg Ross, guys like that who've had to fill in for KJ Sales, they play them on the big side of the field, so the open side of the field. And they usually put Renee on the smaller side of the field, which doesn't really make much sense to me. You think you would put Patrice Renee against the, every team's best receiver and just say, hey, wherever he goes, you stick with him. But that hasn't been the case this year. And that's why over the past few games, specifically four or five games since KJ Sales has been out, it's been more than that. Carolina has been really bad at defending uh, the pass. It's because the likes of Greg Ross, the likes of the guys that are filling in for KJ Sales aren't really talented enough when it comes down to it and are just getting targeted all game. Patricia Nace had a great season, but if you really look back on games, you don't remember a lot he's done, and that's good. As a cornerback, you don't really want to be remembered. If you're not getting targeted as a cornerback, that means you're the best cornerback on the field. So I think that kind of shows and kind of speaks to how good Patrice Renee has been this year. And when he has been targeted in games, especially that Virginia Tech game, he's done a spectacular job of of coming out and playing and defending the pass. So you've got to give credit to Patrice Renee. But I think if Carolina wants to beat or want to have any chance of beating State, they're going to have to stop Finley A. But if you don't stop Finley, there's a 90, I'd say a 99% chance you're not stopping Kelvin Harmon either because that's going to be his guy that he looks for the most. So Carolina, if, if I'm a defensive staff, defensive coordinator, whatever you want to call me, uh, cornerbacks coach at Carolina, I'm saying, hey, you're putting Renee on Harmon all game and let's go with that. Even though, like we'll see in a second, State has some better receivers, but Harmon is their go-to guy and is the most dangerous guy on that field. And honestly, if you had to look at both sides of Carolina, and NC State on the offensive side of the ball, he's probably the best player on both on both offices. So Kelvin Harmon must be stopped. He's going to come to play. He's going to you know be fired up for a rivalry game like you would expect. And with his talent, athleticism, the only thing that Carolina can really hope for is that it's a really rainy day and, and the state just struggles to pass the ball because then you can really get after this team, especially with the, the defensive talent that Carolina has on the line, even though they haven't performed a lot. There's still some question marks over whether – Jalen Dalton will be playing tomorrow. Jeremiah Clark will be playing tomorrow. Uh, Aaron Crawford will likely be out. So if Carolina's missing all three of those guys, that's going to be even more tough for them to get pressure on on Ryan Finley back there. But hopefully Carolina, I would really expect Dalton to play, and I'm not sure about Clark. 100% guarantee you Aaron Crawford doesn't play, though. So um, I think Carolina will have Dalton back, which is good on his senior day, and Jeremiah Clark on his senior day as well. So we'll see how that goes and see if they can get some pressure on Finley. Because like I said, Kevin Harmon could have a huge day tomorrow 
if Carolina gives Finley a ton of time back there because the way our cornerbacks have covered this season and the way we've played, like I mentioned, you know, putting our weakest corner uh, on the big side of the field and not really putting our best corner on the best player at all times, this could turn into a huge passing day for NC State. And with how the season's gone, I fully expect it to happen regardless of the weather. So Kelvin Harmon, a guy, be playing on Sundays next year, a guy you got to watch out for for the Wolfpack. Also, Jacoby Myers has had a really good year. 69 catches for 754 yards. He's their second leading receiver on the season. Uh, about 10.9 yards per catch and three touchdowns on the season. Then you got Emeka Amizi, the guy that actually fumbled. I don't know if you guys remember last year, but when Wake Forest beat NC State last year in that night game, Amika Amizi was the guy who ended up fumbling on the goal line late in that game and, and letting up a touchdown that NC State much, uh, really needed in that game and ended up losing eventually mainly because of, of his inability to hold on the ball there but he's had a really good you know bounce back year this season 516 yards on 40 receptions another 12 over 10 yards per catch average at 12.9 and five touchdowns on the year so second leading receiver in terms of touchdowns this season so Amika Amizi is a guy you got to stop as well and if you look at state it's kind of crazy they've got nine guys this season that are averaging over 10 yards per catch I mean a few of those guys have only been targeted you know a handful of times but still if you really go look at any other team in the country, you're not going to find more than three or four guys at most that are averaging over 10 yards per catch, and State has nine of them. So State's had a really good year. They're a big play team. They like you know Finley's arm strength and his ability to throw the ball. They're going to look to throw downfield and not kind of throw these screen passes, short passes like you've come accustomed to Carolina doing with Nathan Elliott back there. NC State, to break it down and put it into simple terms, you got to stop Ryan Finley. you got to slow him down. I think the rain will help that a little bit. But you've also got to stop Kelvin Harmon as well because they're going to look to get Kelvin Harmon the ball in different ways at the same time. And if you can stop Brian Finley, you should in turn be stopping Kelvin Harmon because he's not going to have a guy that's getting him the ball. I mean, if you look at the rushing stats for for NC State this year, they don't have a single uh, – Kelvin Harmon doesn't have a single rush this season, which I'm a little bit surprised to see because of how dynamic he is. I'm surprised they don't try to get him balls in different ways, but he hasn't touched the ball – and any rushing type of play. So like I said, if you stop Finley, you're stopping Harmon, and that's taking two of NC State's best players on offense and on the whole team out of the game. And I know it's going to be tough to do because really nobody has been able to stop them this year besides Clemson, even Syracuse. I mean, that was more of a defensive struggle between both teams. I mean, Clemson, uh, excuse me, not Clemson, NC State ended up scoring over 40 points in that game and losing. And then and their loss against Wake Forest, they were contained in the second half. They started off really well, and then only ended up scoring 20-some points in that game. So they are stoppable. Wake Forest's defense isn't great, and they fired their defensive coordinator midway through the year. So they're definitely beatable. And like I said, they've kind of had a state year where they lost the teams they weren't supposed to and have you know padded their schedule early, started off 5-0, and and then kind of died down after that, went on a little you know 1-3 and losing streak through four games in the ACC, and that kind of hurt their chances at, you know, challenging the, in the Atlantic division and you know maybe being second place in the Atlantic because it looks like Syracuse is going to end up doing that but you never know State still has a chance but gotta stop Ryan Finley gotta stop Harmon and you shouldn't have to worry too much about the rushing attack with Reggie Gillespie back there for the Wolfpack but like I said you never know with how this Carolina defense has been performing for a majority of the season but we will see this is a good offensive team um, to kind of summarize things up and if you don't stop them through the air, then you will get torched and it could turn into a blowout depending on how this Carolina and if this Carolina offense and defense for that uh, point two shows up tomorrow and competes. Uh, real quick, let's just run through Carolina stats. Nathan Elliott, 
uh, and Cade Fortin, I would expect to be the two guys in contention tomorrow. I expect Cade Fortin to get the nod. I think Cade Fortin's healthy enough now from what I've seen from him um, after practice and stuff like that. I think Cade Fortin will get the nod and play a majority of the snaps. I'm not sure if it will start yet. I wouldn't be surprised to kind of see things go like Virginia Tech, uh, maybe with Fortin coming straight in and you know Elliott coming in on certain situations. But I do expect Fortin to play tomorrow, but I would not be shocked to see Elliott get the nod and say, hey, let's just roll with him because I'm not 100% sure if Fortin is fully healthy yet. But from what I've seen from him, I think he could have played last week, honestly, against Western Carolina. I think they were saving him for this game, especially with Larry Fedora kind of playing for his job. He needs somebody to come in and help this team get a victory. And, you know, it might help save his job um, if it really is on as tight of a rope as I think it is if he has a guy like Fortin come in and win the game for him because he can say, hey, Bubba, we won today. We've got a healthy, we finally got healthy quarterback in Cade Fortin. Both of my guys that I wanted to roll with got hurt this year, so I was forced to stick with Elliott. And, you know, Fortin's back. He showed what he can do. We'll have a good year next year. Uh, but regardless, I don't think a win or a loss really helps Fedora too much. I think the decision's already been made, regardless of the $12 million buyout. I personally think Larry Fedora will be gone. And sad to see. I don't like to see guys go. I, you have to kind of start all over again and never want to see guys go because it does set a program back a couple years usually. And, you know, Fedora's been, a, you know, done some really good things for us since he came in in 2012. And it, it's been a good coach, but. When it comes down to it, it comes down to winning. Carolina struggled to do that the past two years and really over the past two and a half years going back to the 2016 season after that Duke loss um, in Chapel Hill. So, or excuse me, in Durham. So North Carolina, Nathan Elliott or Fortin. I'm putting, I'm nodding towards Fortin right now. Nathan Elliott's had decent stats this year. He's thrown for 2,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So not a great year by Elliott. He's done okay, but he hasn't really been the main reason Carolina's been losing. He's definitely been a part of it, but a lot of it has to do with the poor play of the defense this year. Michael Carter is a guy that I'm not 100% sure will be playing tomorrow. I know Antonio Williams is definitely out with a foot injury, um, but Michael Carter thought he got a concussion against Western Carolina initially. He got tackled on the goal line in the first quarter. Kind of got choke slammed, so that's why I kind of thought it was a concussion or something, but I've also heard rumors that it was a wrist injury, maybe the same one he had uh, previously hurt early in the season they kept him out for a few games so I'm not sure if Michael Carter is going to be playing and I know Antonio Williams is going to be playing and Michael Carter is Carolina's leading rusher this season so if Carolina's missing both of those guys they're going to really really struggle especially in a game that could be a super wet one that's not going to allow Carolina to do a lot through the air especially with Nathan Elliott's lack of arm strength in the first place if Cade Fortin comes in maybe that's a little bit different of a story but I think also now that I really sit back and think about it the weather could play a factor in whether or not Fortin plays tomorrow because of the knee injuries he's had. If it's a super soggy and wet field, slippery field, then the coaches might not want to risk putting Fortin in there and re-injuring that knee on a slip or, you know, on a you know poor footing on the ground. I mean, it's a resodded field as well. They've been practicing on a lot this year. I believe it was resodded on Monday or Tuesday of this of this week. So the field is not in the greatest of shape already. And combine that with the amount of rain that we could be getting here in the in the triangle area, then you know that could be a big factor in whether or not Fortin plays, and it could be a huge factor for Carolina, especially with Antonio Williams being out and Michael Carter likely being out as well. So Michael Carter, 595 yards on the on the year, two touchdowns. Antonio Williams, 504 yards, has uh, eight more carries on the year at 91 than Antonio Williams, or than Michael Carter, excuse me, and has five touchdowns on the season. Does the Ohio State transfer? So. We haven't done it. We haven't really had a great year on the ground. Uh, Jordan Brown's also rushed for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Javante Williams had a, who had a really good game last week. 
uh, against Western, 141 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. He's got three of those against Western Carolina to pad his stats a little bit. But future's bright for the backfield. If they can stay healthy next year, they should be elite. I mean, Carolina's, when you think about it, four guys deep with Carter Williams-Brown and Javante Williams. And then you bring in some other guys that are young, freshmen, uh, Devin Lawrence on the bench, who I think could contribute in the next few years. Played uh, at my old alma mater uh, in Wake Forest High School. He's also the younger brother of Clemson defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. So I think Devin Lawrence is going to be a good running back in the near future as well. And then if Carolina can get a guy, maybe Jace Ruder starting next year, even Cade Fortin, they can get a little more threat on the ground with their quarterback uh, being able to run the ball. Then I think this Carolina offense is going to have a great chance at, at dominating teams on the ground next year because they've shown it in glimpses. Duke game, first half of the Western Carolina game, They've shown in Glimson how good they can be on the ground, but they've got to put it together. Virginia Tech game as well, now that I think about it. and They've got to kind of put things together, and it's unfortunate that in the final game of the season we might be without, will likely probably be out with our two best backs and have to rely on really young guys. And Javante Williams and a, you know, an experienced older head in Jordan Brown who's just simply not as dynamic but is a really solid runner for the Tar Heels. Receiving statistics-wise, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, no surprise, leading receiver for the Tar Heels. 40 receptions, 613 yards, 15 yards per catch, and two touchdowns on the year. So not a huge year by him. I mean, Carolina receiving-wise only has 13 touchdowns um, total through everybody. Daz some second-leading receiver who's kind of been quiet over the past few weeks. 415 yards, 55-yard uh, long touchdown, uh, second longest on the team this season behind Carl Tucker, who had that long run for a touchdown or not for a touchdown, excuse me, but that long one to set Carolina up in the Virginia Tech game. Daz Newsom has two touchdowns on the year. Carl Tucker, the third lead receiver, 15 catches, 264 yards, and one touchdown. So this isn't a team that necessarily has a big wide receiver threat. Like I said, State's got nine guys that have they're averaging over 10 yards a catch. Compare that to Carolina. Carolina's only got five, so four less than NC State. Kind of sums up the contrasting uh, play between the two teams in the passing game more specifically. So Carolina, statistically, if you look at both teams and compare their offenses, Carolina doesn't really stand a chance tomorrow. They've got a quarterback in Elliott who's thrown for a, about 1,000 yards less than Ryan Finley. They've got even their two best running backs, against Carolina's best position, have not run for more than the NC State's running back. And then receiving-wise, Carolina's really just not even close. I mean, NC State's got a guy that's caught for over – a thousand yards passing this season and Carolina's closest guy to that is Anthony Ratliff Williams, a leading receiver who's, you know, a, a little bit less than 400 yards away from getting to that. So he's not going to break the thousand yard barrier this year. So offensively, statistically wise, this is two teams that are very contrasting in how they play. NC State predominantly passing the ball and Carolina um, trying to pass the ball, but doing it in a lot of different ways, screen passes, short passes, stuff like that, not really threatening downfield like NC State does with Ryan Finley. But let's look at the defenses real quick. NC State, a team on the defensive side of the ball that doesn't have a great secondary, but this season for the most part, it, it played pretty good. They're currently the fourth best defense in the ACC right now through 10 games. I've only allowed 29 touchdowns, uh, 13 field goals, uh, and only averaging letting up about 24.1 points per game. So they're a good team. They're a solid defensive team. But at the same time, they are a team that's very susceptible to the pass. They showed that against Syracuse. They even showed a little bit against Wake Forest. I mean, that last touchdown that Wake Forest scored to go ahead was horrible tackling and horrible coverage by NC State secondary. So 
Carolina needs to exploit NC State in their secondary, but the problem is they haven't been able to do that with any team this year. They don't have a big enough arm to throw downfield, and I think that's why if Cade Fort can come in and weather permitting, he's going to add a lot more dynamism to this North Carolina offense. He's really going to be able to take the top off, I think, with his arm strength and ability to throw the ball, which will make this NC State defense have to play a whole lot different compared to if Nathan Elliott's the guy that goes for the, for the whole game. But NC State, fourth best defense. You can compare that to Carolina's real quick. Carolina's got the 12th best defense, third worst in the ACC right now, just in front of Wake Forest and Louisville. Um, 34.6 points per game allowing on the year, 44 touchdowns. They've allowed uh, 13 field goals and 41 extra points. So a good team wouldn't have a defense that's that, that's that bad. I, guess I, think, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Um, that's one of the reasons Carolina has struggled so mightily over this year and last year. Carolina's defense has been the main problem. I, I personally made a mistake early in the year that I admit right now. I used to think that Nathan Elliott and the offense was the main problem. It's not. It's Carolina's defense. I mean, you compare it to North Carolina's offense, both offense and defensively. Carolina's 12th in the ACC in total offense and defensive categories this season. Carolina's averaging 27.3 points per game, which isn't horrible. It's not great, but it's not horrible. And Virginia, in comparison, is averaging one more point than Carolina and has only lost four games this year. What's the biggest difference for them? The defense. Virginia has the third best defense in the ACC, and that's why they've only lost four games and had a chance to win the Coastal Division. Carolina's 12th in both total offense and total defense, and that's why they've been so bad. If you're only scoring 27 points a game, a lot of that was padded by the Western game as well. It used to be 24, I believe, for a majority of the season before the Western game. If you compare that to the defense, the defense is allowing 35 points a game. So before last week against Western Carolina, that was an 11-point difference. And you know it got a little bit better. It's only about an eight-point difference now, but still, that's a that's a possession, that's a touchdown. And when you think about it, a lot of Carolina's losses this year have been by you know single digits, one possession games, touchdown. If Carolina can just get one more touchdown, they could take it to overtime or they could um, win the game in regulation. But it's that's not been the case, and that's why Carolina, in my opinion, has struggled so much. It's mainly been the defense. The offense has definitely contributed. They did, Carolina does not have a good enough quarterback in Nathan Elliott to win games. I hundred percent agree with that. He's proven that over the past year and a half or so but the defense has been the main problem I don't know why Papuchis and his staff Larry Fedora can't get this thing figured out Carolina's not had a good defense in the really at all in the six years seven years that Larry Fedora's been here and it's just crazy when you think about it even with Gene Chizik I mean we had a great year in 2015 with Chizik back there but our defense wasn't that great either they were still allowing 30 points a game or something crazy like that we just outscored everybody so Carolina a team that a program, excuse me, that's really never had a good defense since Fedora's come in, and it seems like we haven't had a good defense since Butch Davis, to be completely honest with you. So hopefully if Carolina does make a, ne- a new hire, uh, they will get a guy that, whether it's the head coach or the, a good coordinator, that can come in and really change this defense. Because I think there's talent on that side of the ball. Carolina had one of their best defensive lines ever. They've had a lot of injuries on this side of the ball again, which you have to put a little bit of blame on the coaching staff, strength and conditioning staff for the second consecutive year of 19, 20 plus injuries on our team. So it's been a weird year. Carolina's, I'm kind of glad, I hate to say it, that this football season is coming to an end. Even Bubba Cunningham, athletic director for North Carolina, came out and said the same thing pretty much this week and said, you know, got, people have been asking me about the last game of the season, rescheduling it. And I think it's just like most people in the program, I think we just want this season to be over and so we can move on. And if they need to make a coaching change, go ahead and get that underway, especially with the early signing period coming up for recruits, 2019 recruits in December. If Carolina is to fire Fedora, I mean, they're only going to have about a month, really less than a month, to be able to get a new coach and, and get recruits to come in if guys that want to sign early 
um, do end up signing early. It's an important period, especially for a team that this year has not recruited very well at all and has the lowest rated recruiting class somewhere in the 60s. I think it's like 64 um, ever since Rivals.com has started keeping track since 2000, I believe. It's when they started. Carolina has the lowest by like 20 or so spots. I believe the second worst was somewhere in the 40s um, uh, early in the 2000s. I think might have been John Bunning's final year at Carolina. So this is a team right now, a program right now, that's in a lot of turmoil. A victory against State would feel good, but it wouldn't really change anything, I don't think, in terms of Fedora's future. And I don't personally think it would change too many fans' opinion on how the season have gone. I mean, even beating State, I mean, that's great to do. A little bragging rights for a year, but they're a team that's dominated us over the past few seasons. And, you know, with how Carolina's going to finish, the most they can finish is an identical record as last season with three wins. So who knows what will happen on Saturday? I'm hoping Carolina will get the victory, but I don't really think it much matters in terms of how this season's gone as a whole. But, guys, that's going to do it for me. NC State in Chapel Hill tomorrow against the Tar Heels, 12 o'clock kickoff. Be sure to uh, come out if you can. It's a good game. There should still be tickets available if you haven't got any. It's always a fun game to watch. One of the best games I've ever seen in my life. Loudest I've ever heard Keenan in my life as well was the Geo return a few years ago against NC State in Fedora's first season. So hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that magic. But man, that seems like a long time ago, the last time Geo did that against the Wolfpack. Tom O'Brien was still the coach. It was actually the year before Doran came in, who came in in 2013. So it was good that I think we contributed in getting Tom O'Brien fired. But with how things are going now, it seems like years and years and years ago with uh, that game and how good this program uh, North Carolina used to be. But thanks for listening, guys. Uh, hopefully Carolina will get a victory on Saturday, and hopefully we'll have a little bit to talk about on the review podcast next week. And real quick, just want to touch on this. Uh, North Carolina basketball team ended up dropping a tough one, 92-89 to last night to Texas in Las Vegas. Tip-off again today at 4 o'clock in Las Vegas against UCLA. So quick turnaround for the Tar Heels. Hopefully they can bounce back. Kobe White has a spectacular game for the Heels with 33 points, career high for the true freshman. And hopefully someone else will step up today and help him out. And hopefully Carolina can get back on track because they've got a really, really tough schedule over the next month or so going up to about December 22nd when they get ready for ACC play in and around that time. So basketball team, tough loss last night, but don't jump ship yet. Uh, it's no big deal. You expect this team to lose. Roy Williams is still really fiddling around with lineups, and even though when they're up or down, he's still putting in the same lineups he would, trying to see who can play it and do what uh, when ACC comes around. So don't jump off the ship. Stick behind this team. Really, really talented, and they've got a chance to win a national championship. Trust me, guys, they do. They're that good. And uh, not the result we wanted against Texas, but like I always think and try to say, if you're going to lose, lose early. Get it over with, learn from it, move on, and when conference play comes around, go out there and, and, and compete, and, and, and you'll know what you can't do and what you're good at and what you're not good at, and that'll definitely help Carolina in the long run. Roy Williams, if anybody knows what he's doing, Roy Williams know what he, knows what he's doing. So quit the negative backlash, quit all the negative tweeting, whatever you want to call it, on the message boards, anything. Carolina basketball is fine. They will be fine. And uh, just think, Carolina football will be over tomorrow, and you don't have to worry about football anymore. As bad as that sounds, but enjoy the game tomorrow, guys. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a Carolina victory next week on the NC State Review Podcast. But as always, thanks for listening. Go Heels, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>